0: Hello, welcome to another episode of The Movies, a self-explanatory podcast. My name is Daniel Berrios, and today I'm gonna be talking about Sarah Pauly's Women Talking. It was all waiting to happen before it happened. You could look back and follow the breadcrumbs along the path that led to violence. When we looked back, it had been everywhere. It is a part of our faith to forgive. We would be forced to leave the colonies if we do not forgive these men. None of you will listen to reason. We know that we've not imagined these attacks. We know that we are bruised and terrified. Hope for the unknown is good. It is better than hatred of the familiar. And we could not endure any more violence. We have been preyed upon like animals. Maybe we should respond like animals. How would you feel if in your entire life it never mattered what you thought? When we've liberated ourselves, we will have to ask ourselves who we are. Women Talking is adapted from the Miriam Toes novel of the same name screenplay adapted by Toes and the director Sarah Pauly. It's about these three families of Mennonite women who meet in a barn after men in their colony are discovered trying to sexually assault their daughters. And turns out this isn't just an attempt there is an epidemic of it. There's multiple assaults that have happened. Women wake up with bruises. Women wake up bleeding. Women find themselves pregnant without knowledge of whatever happened. And the men in the colony through, you know, just ignoring them and through uh, shaming them, through gaslighting them, have basically told the women that they're they're crazy or that they haven't believed their stories at all. And so when it gets to the point where the cops are called and the men of the colony, all of them leave to go bail out the attackers, the women gather together, put three families in charge to decide what they're going to do about it. Ultimately, it's uh, they put it to a vote. You can either do nothing, you can stay and fight the men about this for the safety of their children and themselves or they could leave and we get to a point where the the vote is kind of split between staying and fighting and leaving so they realize inaction is not going to work so that's what this conversation and really what this whole movie takes place in it's just this barn the top part of that loft and these three families just arguing and debating about everything i mean it Works kind of in the same way. I've said this in Twitter. That it works similarly to something like 12 Angry Men. Because it really is just about the power of the ideas spoken. And Polly and Toes and and Tandem make this screenplay just as lean and razor sharp with its dialogue as possible. There's some stuff here that just is fucking profound when you hear it. And there are things that we all talk about. We talk about like the nature of forgiving somebody who's hurt us. Uh, the idea of—I mean, this is another movie in a way deals with cancel culture. But I guess the, the cancel culture is a uh, feels like it's trivializing the the matter at hand. But the idea of like, can you forgive somebody who's done unspeakable acts to you? And when, how can forgiveness be twisted into? sort of the giving somebody permission or giving them an excuse to go ahead and continue on with their behavior there's stuff like that there's a nature of women's stories being believed in the first place there's the anger that resides with these women some who are less bothered by the assault and more bothered by the cover-up the idea that these people are trying to make you think that what happened to you didn't happen to you and make you think crazy. So attacking all of these, I mean, we're talking to about uh, the way that children are raised and how these power structures are learned from a younger and younger age. And is it possible to co- sort of reform teenage boys? You know, at what point is a man set in its sort of, carnally destructive ways you know that's a lot of this stuff is what the movie's talking about and it's balanced so thoroughly well and it's not really just like this chamber piece although it can feel like a play at times it cuts with a lot of life on the outside you get to see life in the colony not necessarily through montages but sometimes you'll see it through just them Doing like a voiceover over the space over a kitchen, and you get to really kind of live. It almost feels like a Mennonite uh, HGTV, where you can see where these people live and how they live and what lives consists of. And for these women, it's you know a lot of uh, kitchens and laundry, and, uh, dealing with the children. You know, it's a very patriarchal society. Uh, supposed modest society. When you look at these women, they're all dressed in uh, the stuff that you'd see in like M Night Shyamalan's *The Village*, so to speak, or like fucking uh, like an like the witch, you know. And I feel like these are really weird things to bring up in a movie about women talking, but whatever. Uh, sort of these older colonial style clothes, and uh, that's just the religion that they're in. I also like that this is a movie about faith and really testing that faith and not in a sense that i mean i'm not a religious dude but i grew up as i grew up in a baptist household for a really long time and so a movie that addresses faith in a sense that can separate the actual faith and the tenets of that faith with the practitioners the people who are in charge of it the people who commit atrocities in the name of god is fascinating and i love that as much as there is doubt and anger and resentment towards a god that you know i think claire foy who's the most outspoken angry like she'll straight up if given the chance carve a motherfucker like she'll fucking make origami out of his throat with the. Uh, I don't know what those sickles are. It's a sickle, but I think they use it for castrating uh, calves. Or maybe that's the little belt they use. I don't know, but she'll fucking fight a motherfucker when it comes to the safety of her kids, and especially her daughter. Um, she's angry at God for feeling like they, he's abandoned them, especially all the women in the village. Uh, there's going to be this is one for uh, David Rosen, by the way, of the, the piecing it together podcast. If you don't listen to that podcast, you better. It's fucking great. Uh, a puzzle piece for this movie. There's a part of this that reminded me of Midsummer, The idea of all these women kind of joining together in a communal emotional release where it may not have happened to every woman in the colony, these assaults, but every one of them feels it. It is all their experience because they are thoroughly aware that there is, I guess, on one hand, that there's nothing to stop the person being assaulted from being them, even if they haven't experienced it. But more than that, it's just the the emotional and the mental toll this takes living in a society that is so predominantly patriarchal and the patriarchy being used as a, a legit. To like the patriarchy gains power, it legitimizes its own power with these rules, and it leaves women as second class citizens. That kind of thing, every one of them can relate to, and so that just gives this spirit of community. And uh, there's one dude in the movie played by Ben Wishaw, he's the he plays August, the teacher of the boys. And he's the one guy kind of left behind to take the minutes of the women's meeting. I guess he's the one guy, like officially, is supposed to be there to watch the women, but uh, and to watch the fort and hold everything down. But he's up there just taking notes of the meeting, and a lot can be said with looking at his character and how he's uh, how he's navigating within these spaces that are uh, women's conversations about things that predominantly matter to women. And the way the movie makes sure not to have him overspeak or overstep his boundaries is a, it's a good teaching moment. It's one of those guys in movies that is just a genuinely fucking good dude. Uh, super gentle and patient. And uh, sort of the anti machismo character. And that was, uh, it was something that really sat well with me. He's got this little uh, longing for Rooney Mara's character. I think she plays. If I'm gonna go to the end of it real quick, I think she plays Ona. Yeah, Ona. Who, if you're a big Rooney Mara fan, you know her with like this sort of dark hair. Like I'm a big fan of Carol. Like she's the dark hair, quiet, sort of like really shy, doesn't want to push herself out too much. But in this movie, they flip her. She's blonde. She's a beaming fucking beacon of light and her character is actually carrying the child of her attacker as the movie goes on like she's pregnant and with all of that she is the source of light she's the source of the first person that's always asking the questions that challenge the more harsh damaged emotionally outbursting characters there are elders within the group uh, that are doing some of that sort of calming the more uh, angered minds down but ona has a way of disarming everybody through question and through kindness and through patience and just those two characters having the hots for each other the school teacher and her even though you kind of get very early on that they're i don't think they're going to end up together i i don't want to say that uh i don't want to mention it like a spoiler but the second you see it you kind of get the vibe that's going on. It's very palpable what uh, is going to go down here. But, uh, yeah, he's got, like, this uh, longing crush for her and really wants to do well by these women. And they're talking about, fuck, everything. I mean, the thing that got me was uh, any time they would talk about boys and how precarious it can be to raise boys in a society where a lot of patriarchal horse shit is legitimized and excused and i don't know there's something about polly cross-cutting this conversation asking whether boys of a certain age of like being teenagers are they sort of doomed to follow in these patriarchal footsteps Or if they're still malleable, if they can still learn how much of this is nature. I think Ben Whishaw is having this conversation as Polly intercuts with these shots of boys playing. And I'll be honest, I caught myself at first whenever you see boys in the movie. You don't see men at all. I think you maybe see at the very most three men in the whole movie whenever you see anybody who's male presenting because of the conversations had beforehand and the violence that's talked about beforehand, anytime I would see like a little boy, it would just kind of give me a little like, like a twist of the the knife. No, I was always worried something bad was going to happen. And then I found myself recoiling against that thought and thinking, wait, these guys, these kids haven't done anything. What the hell am I doing? But it's just that nervousness that always having your head on a swivel type of deal that just kind of kept me thinking about that and so when uh polly is cross-cutting these uh, shots of boys playing with wish talking about how to raise and educate and teach boys properly i saw like this freshly cut hair on this kid's head that's like sticking up and there's like a little blonde glow in the sun and then I saw myself thinking of my kid. And I remember just feeling this strange anguish or, like, overwhelm or this desire that I really want to raise a good man. You know, I, I know that there's no way I'm ever going to be able to really, I guess, relate or join in that communal sense of sharing in one's uh, experience that's specific to their gender. But how I can be better and how can I can be an ally, I guess, in one sense, is just make sure that my kid knows how to behave and knows how to be a good person. And I found myself tearing up a lot because I found myself sort of looking into the future in conversations that I'm gonna have to have with my kid. And how I'm going to have to teach him to navigate the world and his own privilege and his own power that whether he realizes he has it or not within, uh, the society, one of the things the movie does really well, that while it kind of lures you in with all this, uh, window dressing of a Mennonite colony and the costuming and sort of the more, uh, I guess parochial I'm pretty sure that's not the right word but like the farm kind of lifestyle that uh these people these women are living in it does very well oh no parochial yeah I guess that's right parochial in a sense like a limited scope or like a country vibe anyway uh even though the window dressing is there the movie dispels with that very quickly It'll introduce some elements that made me go, "Oh shit!" Like this is way more relevant to the current state of affairs than I originally intended, and on that's not just in a plot sense. That's more of like an emotional sense of the things that they're talking about. I mean, I that whole "boys will be boys" mentality. I mean, that did not that was not a dirty word or dirty phrase to me till about maybe ten years ago, and. Yeah, just so happens this movie's kind of like on the pulse of that kind of conversation that even the way we discuss how boys behave and how rambunctious they are and how uh, dangerous of a time it can be to raise uh boys in a world that thoroughly encourages their id and, you know, sometimes praises them for having it, most of the time praises them, is uh it's a scary place to be in. It's a scary place to have to teach and sort of like shift from a different side of the world. You might hear the doorknob jiggling. That's my son trying to break in. (laughs) But um, yeah, let me go further, I guess, into less of the content and more the performances here. Because I really love everybody here. This is one of those ensembles where I don't come away with like an ensemble of seven thinking about maybe two people. This is one where everybody's given some place to shine. I mean, uh, Rooney Mara, already talked about. I haven't quite talked about Claire Foy yet. Just She really is the spitfire of the group. Just pure uh, something guts and blimp, like fire and brimstone. You got Jesse Buckley in here, who seems to just be like a... Just an animal caged in a corner like it sometimes it doesn't make sense who she it doesn't seem like she has a side it just seems like she doesn't want to be attacked or she doesn't want to be judged or doesn't want to be on the wrong side so to speak so she'll she'll fucking lash out at anybody and everybody but you truly find later that that's all kind of roiling boiling pain that's coming out and she's just intense as fucking this in a way i haven't seen Buckley been Uh, I really like Michelle McLeod, who plays, I think, the daughter of one of the elders. And uh, there's something about her energy, which is just she is so sick of men's shit. Like, she's the one fucking, like, smoking. Like, whenever you see her smoking, it almost feels like, as in a sense, the movie's taking a smoke break. Like, we're calming down just a little bit. And it's like, oh, this isn't so tight and wound so again tightly that the movie is just gonna like pummel you from beginning to end. No, she's kind of that energy of just like, dude, I already know what I want to do, and I'm just waiting until we can fucking do it. Love the energy there. She has one of like the big heartbreaking, uh, like shots in the movie. They do a lot of flashbacks to what happened to these women. And McCloud's just got a really, like, viscerally painful one. All done without a lot of audio... All, down, all done without sound, by the way. Just her reaction. It's really fucking heartbreaking. Uh, I also gotta shout out Kate Hallett, who plays uh, one of the daughters. I think she plays Jesse Buckley's daughter. And there's just some stuff that she's doing with reaction shots in her eyes her face, the sort of way she holds her mouth agape, that I just found my eye gravitating towards her and really being drawn in by a lot of what she doesn't say but specifically how she's letting the words impact her she's got a friend that she's hanging out with through most of the movie and they're kind of fucking around in the background but whenever it gets really serious and whenever they're paying attention, those two characters are locked the fuck in and especially Hal, it just those reactions to me it's sort of that highlighting of you know, you can be a kid and you cannot have the fullest understanding of what's happening, but that emotional intelligence is there. I actually, I'm not even gonna say that. I'm gonna say the more of like kids understand way more than we ever give them credit for. and it, it's both saddening and sort of like heartwarming that they usually have a better grasp on what to do than the adults do and I don't know what happens when we reach adulthood where everything gets muddled when it really shouldn't need to be I don't know maybe it's just the insecurity of trying to look like you have your shit together and balanced creeping in when clearly we're all just children fumbling through the world like you know horses out of the womb but uh I mean, this this is a movie where, like, Frances McDormand. I'm looking at IMDb now. She's like number twelve on the list. <laughs> Frances fucking McDormand, best actress winner of the last couple of years. She's on like the bottom there, and uh, yeah, just everybody in this thing is given a moment to shine. There's even a moment where, let me see, who's the actor? Uh, August Winter as Melvin. This try, this colony has a trans man among them. And their story is just heartbreaking too. It's one of those ones that I don't think I got everything on full watch, but uh, seeing them uh, navigate, uh, I think they're in charge of taking care of the children and the way uh, they react when one of the children is hurt. Again, it's that sort of communal, emotional understanding. Like You very much see that this full-grown man has this heart wrenching like their heart goes out for this little kid and man uh i don't know i really loved it i really loved uh, the way the movie handles that character and there's one line in there that oh man it is a gut punch to the soul when you hear it you'll know what it is but it's one of those like oh i know where you're going movie and you manipulated me a little bit into it but Fuck, Ah, it feels so good. Such a good line. But yeah, I don't want to totally spoil this thing. I mean, there's really only two options. If you pick what the women decide to do, you're likely going to be right on 50% at one point. But I found myself just so moved by the way that Polly has an ironclad grip on what she's trying to pull off. This is a movie that is muted as fuck. The color grading is damn near black and white. I think I heard something about them wanting to shoot in black and white, but ultimately they had to go with this route where the colors really aren't that strong. They kind of show up in flashes or in the natural photography, but there's a lot of blues. There's a lot of grays. It's a dark fucking time. It's intense. It's intense shit what they're talking about, and it's not... Gonna be sunshines and fucking rainbow. Like, I feel like that's obvious. And I've heard some discussion that, like, oh, the color grading's like not for me or whatever. And I'm like, fine, but that's the choice the movie's going with. And that's a choice that makes some fucking sense. Cause it really drills home the point that you're not here to like try and hide by looking at colors in the background. You're forced to face these conversations head on, apply directly to the forehead. Well, so, uh, that focus is there. The score by Hildur uh, gunn is just... That's one that makes you fucking cry. That's one that is simple but used at just the right times to really move the emotion of the story forward. I find myself uh, thinking about the... And it's sounds... I'm making it sound like a fucking spy theme because I suck at singing, but no, it really works. It's this uh, sort of like a a string-driven sort of plucking uh, theme that kind of floats over the whole thing and never really overstays its welcome. It fits right into what emotion is supposed to be talked about in the sense. And it's both ominous, foreboding, and yet hopeful. There's a lot to... to be pulled about the potential for the future. And the movie is uh, the movie's narrator is one of the children. It's not one of the main actresses that are playing and uh, that sense of hope and potential and what is to come is always palpable in women talking. And despite there being just like a, a shit storm of stuff to discuss. And be fearful of being, you know, women who some of these women have lived at this colony for 60 plus years. It's their home, but are now being driven by by this tragedy, essentially, to go and leave for the sake of their daughters and their granddaughters. And that's it's a powerful feeling. When you see the end of the movie, it, it's fucking powerful, man. I found myself tearing up more than a bunch of times. Uh, I wor- like, If you can't relate in some way to this, I don't think you can't. It's not the inability. It's not having a desire to relate. I find I, I kind of dare you not to find something that you can relate to in this. If you really give it a shot. And if you don't, I'm more inclined to believe that you won't relate to this which is your prerogative and that's the way you're gonna handle the world but i'm not gonna sit here and baby you and pretend it's the movie's fucking fault that you can't find some basic fucking empathy but yeah i'm gonna end it like that uh this has been another episode of the movies thank you very much for listening if you want to follow me on twitter you can do so at the movies underscore pod Instagram at the movies pod letterboxed in the description below. If you're listening to me on Spotify, please rate the podcast. I greatly, greatly fucking appreciate that. I'm looking to finally have a rating on my littles pages board. Uh, you can't see it until enough ratings pop up. If you're on Apple podcasts, leave me a rating and a review. If you write the review, I shall read it. So that can be your, your motivation to you know, plunge into the deep of the internet and give the movies an Apple Podcast review. But until next time, I'm going to leave you with a song that is hopefully going to be a little bit lighter hearted than what I was talking about. Uh, this might go over like Led Zeppelin, but uh, I'm going to pick The Clash. You know what song it is. Y'all take care, friends.